Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Amen. Are you glad to be here this morning? Check your pulse. If you're not alive now, then something's wrong with you. It's good to see you this morning. If you've got your Bible, if you'll open up to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Uh, we are going to finish 1 Timothy this morning, and next week we will jump into 2 Timothy. And Lord willing, uh, by the end of the summer, we will wrap up Paul's letters to Timothy, and uh, then we will turn our attention uh, again, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Does anybody know what that means, by the way? Okay, so a couple people. Tell me after the service. My grandfather used to say that. I'm like, what's wrong with the creek? We got a problem with the creek. It keeps rising. I don't know. But Lord willing, and the creek don't rise in uh, August as soon as uh, we head back. Uh, dare I say, school will be starting back soon. Uh, we will look at the book of John. Shh, I know, I won't say that. I won't say that. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, uh, thank you Vicky. thank you Leonard, we are blessed with some tremendous talent at Crossroads, and uh, so grateful for you uh, this morning. Uh, you should know by now as we think about 1 Timothy that Paul's letter to Timothy was instructions uh, primarily for the church. Uh, so he's writing to those people who know the Lord, who would call themselves followers of Jesus, and the instructions he's giving uh, are specifically for those groups of people. Uh, he's talked a lot about those groups of people in his first uh, letter to Timothy. He's talked about how to conduct yourselves when it comes to worship, and he's talked about how to treat women and men and deacon and elders and widows and uh, false teachers. And as he finishes this book, he gives Timothy some final instructions. So we want to look at it together, starting with verse 11 of chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But flee from these things. Alright, let's stop right there. What things is he talking about? He's talking about all the other things that we talked about last week that he said in the previous verses. He's talking about fleeing from the love of money and fleeing from temptation and foolish and harm, harmful desires. Fleeing from all those things. He says, you, O man of God, some translations say man of God, um, flee from these things. Now, I think it's interesting you got to keep in mind who Timothy was. He's this young guy in the faith, this young minister of the gospel, and probably has just gotten started. Bible scholars think he probably was in his early 20s. And here this mentor is, Paul the Apostle, the great authority, the writer of the majority of the New Testament, tells Timothy, you're a man of God. I don't know if you've had anybody ever speak life into you and encourage you, but that's a powerful thing. That's actually, a, there's a whole other sermon right there with those three words. It's actually, a, could be a whole sermon about leadership. Somebody at some point in time believed in you enough to call you out and to say things about you that probably were not true at the time. Totally. 
I think about mentors in my life, people who poured into my life, and they would say things like that. And I'm thinking, much like uh, Gideon was called Mighty Warrior. You remember the story of Gideon? And he's looking around thinking, Mighty Warrior? Where is he? You're not talking to me. I can't be a mighty warrior. Paul says to Timothy, you, O man of God. What a great encouragement to call him out. Prophets of old were called men of God. And so he says to Timothy, you, man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, and you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate, that you keep the commandment without stain or reproach until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the proper time. He who is the blessed and the only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them... Second time he's saying instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Verse 19, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Old Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith, grace be with you. Some great challenging words in this first letter from Paul to Timothy. What are some things we see here that Paul says? The first one's on the screen already. He tells Timothy, flee, flee. Flee is an action word. And we know from the book of James, when we went through the book of James, and hopefully you've studied the book of James some on your own, that many times God's word will tell us to do something and there's something else that's implied that's maybe not specifically said. Sometimes it is specifically said. And what Paul is saying here, what's implied to Timothy is, Timothy, if you're going to flee some things, and in the Arabic version of this particular scripture, it calls all those things that he mentioned previously, the verses we looked at last week, He calls those things abominations. They're basically things that pull us away from God. And oftentimes in the scripture, the writers will tell us, when they tell us to flee things, which is an action word, they will give us some some criteria or some things that we have to do in order to flee things. Think about James. James says, flee from evil, right? I think it's chapter 4, verse 7. Flee from evil, but if you... Take that out of context and you don't read all of what James says. James gives some very important instructions that enable the believer in Jesus to be able to flee. What is it? Anybody know? Submit, therefore, to God. Submit to God. Flee the devil. I think it's chapter 4, verse 7. Let's let's check it out and see if I'm right. Don't ever believe what the pastor says full tilt. I mean, you need to go check it out for yourself, because I'm old and I may have forgotten. 
So let's look at it. I think it's the book of James. Chapter 4, verse 7. Wow, I'm getting, I'm still got, I still got it a little bit up here. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So, for, so James is saying, for you to do some of these things, there's some things you have to do to be ordered to resist the devil. There's some things Paul is reminding Timothy. If you're going to flee some things, you have to be following some things. In our culture, you say, Pastor Jack, why is this so important? It's important because in our culture, we emphasize sometimes in the church one of those, but we inappropriately don't put the emphasis on both of them. You say, what do you mean? We talk about fleeing evil, but we don't often talk about following or Paul's word, pursuing God things. Are you with me this morning? We talk about, well, he's a pretty good person. I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't drink, he don't beat his wife, he don't gamble, he don't, he, he, he don't do, all, he's, he's fleeing all those things, bravo, bravo, you need to flee those things too. But what is he following? What is he following? God has called us to do more than ignore the things of the world, he has called us to pursue the things of God. And so Paul is reminding this young guy in the faith, hey it's great and morality is important, but morality without Jesus is nothing. And we live in a world that likes to often emphasize when they do, which is not often as much anymore. When they do emphasize morality, it's not morality based in the Bible and based in Jesus. And so Paul tells Timothy, flee those things and put your mind, put your heart, put your attention on some other things. Pursue some things. What are those things he mentions? The first one is righteousness and godliness. We might call it holiness of heart, which is very important. It, it actually, having a holiness of heart, brings about the contentment that we talked about last week. And when we pursue that, and pursue godliness and righteousness, that also pushes us away from chasing the things that sometimes false teachers are talking about. So he talks about godliness. He talks about faith. I love that. Faith. We know from uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us what faith is. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Paul says, okay, Timothy, flee those things, but pursue righteousness, pursue faith. Chase after faith. The foundation of good works is faith. James tells us that too. Pursue faith. But he also says pursue love. Pursue love. Not your own thing, your own agenda but pursuing love, which is found in Christ. Pursue patience. Oh, my goodness. Perseverance and patience. That's one we don't often pray for or pursue, because that's a hard one, isn't it? Lord, give me patience, but I want it right now. You've seen that sticker before. I want it right now, Lord. Just give it to me right now. I had a mentor tell me, don't pray for patience. Because what happens is the Lord will send all kinds of trials and tribulations into your life to answer your prayer to teach you patience. Anybody want patience today? Uh, that's right, I didn't think I'd see any hands. But that's what we need. Righteousness, faith, patience, and meekness. Or gentleness. The New American Standard says gentleness. I like that. Humility. So there are some things that Paul is telling Timothy. And the first one is he says that we need to flee these things. But the second thing he says... In verse 12 is fight the good fight. I love this. Because we picked up on that in the, in the study of Ephesians. 
We need to be reminded, church, I need to be reminded every minute of every day, I am in a spiritual battle. And if you are a child of God, you are in a spiritual battle. And if you do not feel and sense, and most of us I hope do, if you do not feel and sense you are in a spiritual battle, you might be like a dead fish floating down the river, just carried to and fro by wherever the current goes. If you feel this morning, wow, I feel like I'm a fish swimming upstream, praise God, because you're probably going in the right direction. Because you're going against the current of culture. And Paul is reminding Timothy here, hey, fight the good fight, which tells me a couple of things. It's going to be a fight. That's another action word. It is going to be a fight. It's not going to be easy. It is going to be you and I as a soldier in God's army fighting. How did Timothy, by the way, get entered into the fight? Well, Paul tells us in these verses, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. He was called into this fight. Some of us remember, who are old enough, there used to be this thing called the draft. And you were drafted into military service. You were called up into military service. In the same way, Paul is telling Timothy, Timothy, man of God, don't forget, you were drafted into the Lord's army. You volunteered also for the Lord's army, and many people volunteered to serve in the military. And we'll have one of those, by the way, one of those special guests with us on July the 3rd, Colonel Tim Drool, will be here to share with us. I can't wait to hear what he says because I think it will remind us that we, like Paul is telling Timothy, we are in a battle. We've got to be geared up to fight the good fight. It is a good fight. Why is it a good fight? Because it is surrounded by and founded in our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Timothy, here Paul tells him, continue to serve. Because in verse 12, the latter part, you made the good confession in the presence of many Witnesses, Timothy now drafted, volunteered, and because he made the confession to serve, now he is obligated. Let me tell you, church, what that means to me and what I think Paul is trying to tell Timothy. Once you're drafted, once you surrender, once you step out and become a child of God and become in the Lord's army, there's no turning back. You don't rest, you don't get honorably discharged. You get honorably discharged when the Lord Jesus comes back to take you home. That's the honorable discharge. Until then, if you and I have breath within our lungs, Paul is telling Timothy, we're in this to fight the good fight. Timothy was obligated to his commander to keep fighting. But he gives him some other instructions, some other commands. I love this. He actually kind of goes off into a little mini sermon. I think he, get, he got fired up right here in this passage of Scripture. All of a sudden, he just starts celebrating Jesus. Which I was about ready to do after Vicky's song, and I was about ready to do after, after the uh, Is He Worthy? Wow, I, I, I was about ready to start running. I mean, I was getting excited. I, that's kind of what Paul does here with Timothy, because he starts talking about fighting the good fight, and then he says, I charge you in the presence of God. And he goes off into honoring and lifting up and celebrating who Jesus is. He's the one who gives life. He testified the good confession before Pontius Pilate. He will bring about, verse 15, at the proper time, 
He is blessed. He is sovereign. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's immortal. He dwells in unapproachable light. He has not been seen or can be seen by any man. To Him be honor and eternal dominion. All of a sudden, He's like, whoa, I'm just going to celebrate Jesus for a little while. You know what that tells me? Church, one of the things He's trying to remind Timothy, we have to have a proper placement of hope. Can I ask you a question this morning? Where is your hope? What is your hope based in? No doubt Paul knew as a, as a minister, as a pastor, knowing that Timothy as a younger minister was going to face some challenging times in his life. Just as we all do who are followers of Jesus, those challenging times were going to come. And so Paul tells Timothy, hey, there's a lot of places you can probably put your hope, but you better put your hope in the immortal one, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who dwells in immortal light, in approachable light, Jesus Christ, that's where you ought to put your hope. And I don't know about you, but uh, I, I am not necessarily a fan of all the things that we see going on in our world. But here's one of the things that happens when you have chaos and confusion like we do in our world. It will push you, church family, it will push you as a child of God to the immortal King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And you will recognize He's the only thing that matters. So adversity is good. Challenge is good. When the world goes crazy, believe it or not, it's good to the extent that it pushes us closer to Jesus and helps us realize that uh, that is the proper place to put our hope and the proper place to put our priorities. Where are your priorities today? Where are my priorities? How do you know? How do you know if your priorities are properly placed in the right person or the right thing? One way you can know, one way I can know is, what is my perspective? Because if my priorities are improperly placed, I know that's a lot of peace. But if my priorities are improperly placed, my perspective will not be correct. I will look at what's happening in the world and I will fret and I will worry. And I will start to gather in my little Shed everything that I need to take care of me because woe is me, the world is falling, the sky is falling. Oh no, oh no, oh no. And my perspective will be incorrect because Paul is telling Timothy, no matter what is going on in your world, don't forget the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the immortal, the one who has all dominion and power, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is the proper place for your hope. I love that. It's a great, great reminder to me this week as I read this passage again and again. So he tells us, let's be very conscious of where we have our priorities and their properly placement of hope. But he also gives him some encouragement. He says, be good and be generous. Instruct those. He tells them twice in verse 17 and 18. Instruct those who are rich not to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be ready to share. Being generous, by the way, is the guard for our heart. It's a military word that he's using in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, as you are being generous, Timothy, and as you are sharing with others, that generosity is the guard that protects your heart from being greedy and having an improper perspective. Can I just stop for just a second and say thank you? Crossroads Church, for your heart, for your generosity, for your giving, for your trust in God. I'm telling you what, I cannot 
wait to see what God is going to do with us as a congregation. I cannot wait. When I tell other pastors and friends what's happening in our church and the way you continue to give every week, and I hope that you're on this, on this uh, travel ride together and a part of the journey. If you're not, and you're kind of sitting in the wings and on the sidelines, you better get in because the current of God's Spirit is moving. And if you're a part of that and you've been giving, and then a couple weeks ago, to see our church family in one Sunday give over $100,000 to move forward with God's vision, praise God. Praise God, you're living out what Paul is telling this young Timothy to be good and to be generous. By the way, it's the same phrase that Jesus uses in Matthew chapter 6. It's the same word structure that Jesus uses when he says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can break in and thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the same kind of language that Paul is using here when he tells Timothy, be good and be generous. You know, a lot of people out there in the church world, thankfully not maybe so much in here in our church, local church, a lot of people think the main reason for giving, in, giving to the Lord's work is because the church needs money. Church doesn't need your money. Church doesn't need my money. It's not true. The most important reason that you and I give is because I need to be a giver. Because God Almighty was a giver. He gave the most precious gift that He could ever give. So the reason I need to give is so I learn the heart of Jesus. I learn the heart of God the Father that I become a giver. It's a God's way of guarding our heart against greed and against trusting in earthly riches is to be generous. And so Paul tells Timothy, be good, be generous. Then he says this to him. I love this next phrase he says. Old Timothy, verse 20. Guard what has been entrusted to you. He uses that word again. Guard. What does that mean? What is he talking about? Guarding. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Is it, is it wisdom? That may be a part of it. Is it Knowledge from God's uh, Holy Spirit, is that a part of what God, Timothy, guard what is entrusted to you. What is he talking about that's been entrusted to you? Avoid worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge. Timothy, guard, oh Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Well, if you go back and you look at what he said earlier in the letter, you'll find out what it is. Chapter 1, verse 11. Paul's telling Timothy in his introduction in this letter how to live, how to look out for false doctrines. And he says, you will do that according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. Paul had been entrusted with the gospel. He had passed that on to Timothy. Timothy was, had been entrusted with the gospel. He was going to pass it on. Timothy, oh Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. This rich treasure that's been put in an earthen vessel that God put in us. And by the way, it's in you if you're a child of God, if you've accepted that free gift of salvation. Pure and uncorrupt. He's saying diligently preserve that, guard it, so it can continue to be genuine and sincere. Why does he say that to Timothy? Well, we know because last week and week before last we talked about it was being, it was being turned impure. By false teachers. 
who were coming in and teaching any kind of doctrine, any kind of thing that would move people and they would sway like the waves of the seashore that James talked about, tossed about to and fro with every wave of doctrine because they didn't really place their full trust and commitment in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says it was more or less knowledge, quote unquote, it was kind of decided in a sense in our world we see this happen all the time where people vote and we do this in the church sometimes and we need to make sure we're in tune with God when we do this. But in the world especially we vote by a show of hands and we call sometimes that majority, well that's, that's knowledge, we put our stamp on it. We've seen that happen over the last couple of years with a lot of different things that we thought were true knowledge about the pandemic. And over the last six months we... Find, we find, oh, there's new knowledge now. There's new knowledge. Well, that's not really knowledge. That's man's knowledge. It's different from wisdom. So what is Paul trying to say? Paul's trying to say to Timothy, make sure you guard the gospel, the true gospel, that it doesn't get watered down and corrupt because there is this knowledge that's kind of going out there that will make the gospel not what it is meant to be. It will make it untrue. You know, the majority of people today, for example, as I was doing some of this study, they don't believe in things like Noah and the flood. That was just a story. How does that happen through the generations? It happens because at some point in time, the gospel, the true story of Jesus, the true story of the scriptures gets watered down and watered down and watered down and watered down and watered down. I love that word, guard what is entrusted. We must guard the gospel. What is the gospel? If you're here this morning, I'll quickly tell you what the gospel is. The gospel is simply this. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whosoever believes in Him will not perish, will not die, but will have everlasting life. And God sent His Son into the world to redeem the world. Not to condemn the world, but that through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the world would be saved. Why did we need to be saved? Because we all have sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. I don't have to tell most of us that. We realize I'm a sinner. Your pastor's a sinner. Your staff are sinners. We all make mistakes. We sin. We fall short of God's glory. And the wages of that sin, according to God's book, according to the Bible, the wages of that sin is death. But, oh man of God, oh woman of God, hear this today. The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there's nothing that you can do to deserve it, there's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't run fast enough. You can't jump high enough. There's nothing you can do. Why? Because it's a free gift of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. There's only one who's worthy. We sung about him this morning. His name is Jesus. You say, well, how do I, how do I accept this free gift? It's much like if I said, hey, are you thirsty this morning? And you're like, well, I'm kind of parched, Pastor Jack. And I said, well, I've got a nice, cool bottle of water right here. Would you like it? And you said, I sure would. Would you just leave that on the pulpit and I'll come by and pick it up maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. I might come get that. Well, that's not going to do you any good. If you're parched this morning from the sin of life and the chaos of the world and you're going, man, I'm thirsty. And somebody goes, I've got some cool refreshing water for you. The only way you're going to get refreshed is to go, thank you so much. And you're going to drink. That's it. We've complicated it in the church. We have complicated the gospel that Paul told Timothy, guard this 
entrust this because people are going to twist it and manufacture things and add to it and subtract to it and they're going to say you have to do this and you have to join the church and you have to get your life right before you come to Jesus. That's not true. You can't get your life right before you come to Jesus. If you can, why do we need Jesus? The truth of the matter is, dear friend, the way that you receive Jesus is just like you receive cool, refreshing water. You just say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And you receive it. Have you ever done that? That's the most important decision you'll ever make, by the way. The most important decision. And that free gift, once you receive it, based on the authority of God's Word, we heard it in song this morning, is that as Paul told Timothy, for those that have done that, he says one day, one day that commandment that you're going to help keep will bring about, in verse 15, at the proper time, the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back and says, if you know me, come on, we're going home. This ain't, this ain't if I can say it this way in the South, this ain't your home. This is your little stopping place on the journey. This is a temporary stopping place. But isn't it interesting, and I think it's why Paul reminds Timothy, Timothy of this, isn't it interesting that Paul tells Timothy, instruct these people who are rich in the present world not to be conceited or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. If there's ever a time in the world we needed that verse of Scripture, it's right now. Because with the way things are going in the world, everybody's freaking out and worried about tangible things. We should be concerned. We shouldn't have our head in the sand. But my trust is not in that. My trust is not in the stock market. My trust is not in the gasoline prices. I don't like it. But you know what? I'm actually thankful that I have a vehicle to drive to get to church. Some of my friends today are walking 15 and 20 miles in other parts of the world to get to, get to go to church. See, it's all a matter of your perspective. Is my, do I have a proper placement of my hope? You see what I'm saying? When the world starts going careening out of control... This pastor has to really take inventory and go, where am I putting my hope? I hope that you've placed your hope in Jesus. And this morning, this gospel that Paul is talking about to Timothy, if you'd say, you know what, I'm not sure I've ever received that, that cold bottle of water, that free gift of salvation from Jesus. As simply as I described it. I hesitate to say anymore because I will corrupt the, the simplicity of the gospel. It's free. You say, does that mean it didn't cost anything? Actually, no, it was the most expensive gift you can ever receive. Because it cost Jesus his life on a cross. But it's still a free gift. You may be here this morning and think, I'm not worthy. Pastor Jack, you don't know. If you knew what I did this past week, <laughs> you'd probably turn me away this morning. No, nah, probably not. Because if you knew what I did this past week, you'd probably say, what are you doing up there on the pulpit? See, we're all sinners. If you need to receive the gospel this morning, the free gift of Jesus, it's not complicated. You just cry out and say, Jesus, I know I am a sinner and I make mistakes and I need to receive your free gift of salvation.
So God, take control of my life. I believe by the power of your word, the authority of your word, that the Holy Spirit's going to come in and dwell within me and help me to live the way you want me to live. And I know because of that, I'm going to promise the future of eternity with you. It's that simple. Does that mean you're going to walk out of here after you pray that prayer and you're going to live 100% holy? If you do, I'm following you. No, you're going to make mistakes. There's only one that lived 100% holy and sinless. That's the one that we all are following. His name is Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, I pray this morning, thanking you for your word. Thanking you for Paul's encouragement to Timothy. And I pray it has been an encouragement to us today. While you continue to pray, church family, right there in your seat this morning, I just feel impressed to ask that question again. Do you know Jesus? Have you received His free gift? That free living water that will quench every thirst, every desire of your heart? Have you received that free gift? If you'd say, Pastor Jack, I have never done that. You may be a member of this church. You may be a member of some other church. You may have been baptized, even. But you'd say, I've never received that free gift of salvation from Jesus, and I need to do that today. Dear friend, if that's the prayer of your heart this morning, that you just say, I, I, I need to receive that today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray with you, or pray for you this morning, right there in your seat. If you'd say, I need to receive that free gift today. Pastor Jack, will you pray for me? If that's you, would you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you this morning? Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Say, I need to receive the free gift of salvation this morning. I'm going to encourage you today, if you lifted up your hand, would you let somebody know? In just a minute, we're going to have a song of invitation. And that song of invitation is really inviting you to respond to what God has said in your heart. And if this morning God is moving in your heart and saying you need to respond, I'm going to ask you when we stand to sing that you respond to the invitation. It may be there in your seat that you need to pray. It may be that you feel compelled to come down to the front and let me pray with you. Or or my friend Heath or my friend Corey will be here at the front. Maybe this morning God has challenged your heart in some other way and you just want to come kneel at these steps, this altar here at the front and pray. That would be fine as well. Father, would you have your way during this invitation time? We'll give you the glory for what you're going to do. Thank you that today, Jesus, you are worthy. Because of that, because of your righteousness, you make us worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing this song of invitation. If you need to respond... Uh, Our team will be here ready to receive you and pray with you this morning. Let's stand together as we sing. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. 
In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.